everybody. My name is Brad Schmidt, and I am the director of Faith and Work here at NCF South Florida. In the last episode, we got to hear about the redemptive frame for entrepreneurship. We answered the question, what is unique about the Christian vision for entrepreneurship? And today, we get the opportunity to hear from two founders about how they applied the redemptive frame to their incredible organizations. You're going to hear from Chris Chancy of Amplio Recruiting and Charlie Chavigian of Every Mother's Advocate. So enjoy this podcast, enjoy this listen, and we hope you find it encouraging. So first, I want to introduce to you uh, Chris Chancy. Chris, can you come on up here? Uh, give it up for Chris. What I've... Um, what I've asked Chris to do, you can grab a mic, Chris. I'm going to introduce you real quick. Um, I've asked Chris to pitch his business to you all. Now, he's not going to be asking for money, okay? Um, he's already been through that. You've already been through those rounds. But I wanted you to pitch your organization of this group. Uh, I think I gave you, how much time did I give you to do this? A four-minute pitch? Yeah. All right, he's going to do a four-minute pitch as if you were a group of investors, okay, uh, but without the financial piece. But you're going to hear about his organization. Uh, it's called Amplio Recruiting, and then uh, I'm going to have one other or business uh, organization come up, and then we're going to do a little Q&A. We're going to do a little panel and talk about uh, how the redemptive frame teases itself out in your organizations. Give it up again for Chris. Thanks, Brad. I feel no pressure at all to adhere to that incredible uh, graph that you just saw. We are uh, a flawed company trying our best to be redemptive. So glad to share that with you. I, I got to uh, to be with you about a year ago, and they gave me an hour on the program a year ago. Tonight, I get four minutes. So I don't. It's mixed signals. Like, did I do a good job? Or I I'm not quite sure. But I'm going to do my best to to pitch uh, to you our company that started back in 2014. I got to go through Praxis in 2017 and um, and try to lay the redemptive frame into the business that we had started. So it's been a while since I've pitched in front of a group um, in this way, but excited to share with you an example of what a company looks like that's trying to live up to um, the standard that you just saw. So back in 2014, um, we founded a staffing company with the goal of helping great companies hire dependable employees from the refugee workforce. So my wife and I had moved into what we did not know at the time was the most diverse square mile in the U.S., right outside of Atlanta, Georgia, in 2013. And as we began to meet our neighbors, we realized that most of them were not from the U.S., did not grow up in the U.S., but had come to the U.S. as refugees. I didn't know what that term was. Um, and, and what that meant. I didn't even know what a staffing company was, but as we got to know our community and ask a lot of questions, everyone would ask us to help them find a job. And so we landed on the idea of let's start a staffing company. How hard can that be? These people need jobs. We know lots of companies that are hiring. Even back in 2014, that was we were already starting to feel the pain of trying to find people who would show up and do the job that needed to be done. And so uh, we thought we'll ride off into the sunset with this little passion project and we'll be well on our way to whatever's next. And we realized just how complex and rewarding it can be to try to launch a venture that has an impact on your community and has this redemptive component to it. And so um, over the last, what's now been almost 10 years, um, it's just been incredible to see what God's done through the business. So the business itself 
um, like I said, started in 2014. And at this point, we've placed over 15,000 refugees into jobs across the U.S. And one of the things we figured out along the way is that these individuals who are legal to work in the U.S. and have a strong desire to work and have this growth mindset, they actually are people who are incredibly loyal to companies when they have the opportunity. Their retention rates were over double what the industry standard was that we were operating in. And so we jumped into this staffing industry that has a pretty negative overall kind of connotation in the marketplace of kind of exploiting people. And we thought if we can redeem this, if we can serve these people and bless these people, they really are the ones that are at the core of how this whole business works, then maybe this retention number can continue to increase and companies will see not only the opportunity to help these individuals and have their own redemptive component, but it also could provide a lot of value in the process. And so the business model itself is really straightforward. Um, Just like any staffing company, we have a temp to perm model, but we just wanted to leverage that model as much as possible for this redemptive impact. And so these individuals are our employees for about six months before they go permanent with the companies they're working for. And so during that six months, we get an opportunity to invest in them and engage them and just help build up the the dignity that they lost along the way on their journey. People would come into our office and, and come in our office, roughly about 500 people a week will walk into one of our offices across the U.S. now. And and their shoulders are slumped, their their eyes are looking down at the ground. And we start to engage them and learn their name and learn their story and start to understand what they were doing before they their life was interrupted and they had to flee their home and end up in the U.S., and their countenance starts to lift a little bit because they're starting to be heard. And when we get the chance to help them engage in not just a, you know, a specific job related to their career, but just any job that they're starting to feel some dignity and starting to put their hands to something they can be proud of, it starts to change where they see themselves going and maybe the plan that God has for them and it opens up conversations of faith with them. And so we just use this six month kind of time frame to pack as much blessing and kind of love into the process as we can. And then they'll transition and go permanent with the company. So our business model is built around that and, you know, pretty straightforward. And then there's the direct hire where they would be on the company payroll from, from day one. But we celebrate these individuals, even when they move off of our payroll, because we get to celebrate their dependability and the way that they're impacting uh, the world around them. Here's some of the companies that we've been able to, to work with and serve. Grateful to work with companies that are secular organizations, but are starting to step into a role of having impact and redemption in their own way with the specific um, refugee community. And so uh, this journey, as we talk about some of those companies, they realize there's this process, there's this cycle that takes place. In the beginning, they just need people and they've tapped into the refugee community. And in doing so, the refugee community gets to to have a tremendous impact on the company. The bottom line's affected because retention is going up. But they, they, there's so many other benefits that come, uh, come forward in that process. But there's also the flip side. The employers benefit the refugee community because they're providing employment. So this case study that I kind of flipped through really quickly um, was about one company. It's a global uh, food packaging and manufacturing company called Gourmet Foods. And uh, they were struggling with turnover. And we introduced the refugee workforce and everything kind of flips. But Mohammed Soda, this quote at the bottom, he was an 18-year-old Syrian refugee who was the breadwinner for his family. He came to us looking for a job. And he said, when you work hard, everything else becomes easy. And we said, we will find you a job somewhere if you have that mentality. 
And so he was the first employee at Gourmet Foods and he, he built this bridge because he, he spoke English and he was a very charismatic young man, but behind him came other people who were not in his same position. So we had Muslim women who didn't speak English, who were not uh, citizens in the U.S. and, and you know, don't have a driver's license, um, getting jobs at this company because he had built that bridge and won their trust. And we think about our community, probably those are the people who are at kind of the bottom of the uh, totem pole. But yet they had an opportunity to prove themselves in a work environment and, um, and have the opportunity to earn an income and, and build their dignity. So as we go through this redemptive frame, this is really the outcome for us coming through the Praxis Accelerator, trying to apply that um, framework to what we're doing. I talked about kind of that six-month time frame we have with our um, employees. And so this is, there's a lot going on in this slide, but what you, what you want to understand is these big green circles, that's the, the physical way we're engaging the employees that we interact with. So that's the horizontal. So those are just the things that any kind of staffing company around the country hopefully would be doing to engage the people who walk in their office, right? So there's this first contact we're engaging. You're kind of understanding a little bit about their past, their present, where are they, what are their dreams for the future? There's an application process. They're starting in the job. Then we're connecting with them on the job. And then eventually we celebrate the fact they go permanent and they come and put a nail in the wall at our office and um, they're, they're usually there with their HR manager, or managers that have been a part of their story. And we don't earn any more revenue off of that individual, but the fact they're proving themselves, they've got a future ahead of them, we celebrate that. So that's all the physical kind of horizontal stuff. But if we can lay into that redemptive opportunities where we sacrifice, but overall everyone benefits, that's the vertical, that's the spiritual component that we're trying to lay into place. So that is somewhat poorly represented in this picture by parachutes. <laughs> so, um, so I know you can't read all of this, but we step into these individuals' lives by building trust, um, by, by meeting them in their home. There's something about a development of a relationship that goes through the roof when you're engaging with someone in their home. We're caring through them through prayer. We talked about this the last time I was here. We ask one question a million times in our office every day, and it's worded exactly like this. Is there anything that you or your family need that we can pray and ask God to help you with? We don't say, how can we pray for you? It's specific, as I just stated. That question promotes an emotional response and people tell us things and we pray for it. And then we just see what God's gonna do. And when he moves, there's a wide open opportunity for us to get into further conversations of faith and discipleship. And that's uh, some of these last parachutes. Uh, We get to share our story. Um, We get to share stories from the gospels and stories of Jesus. And we connect them to other disciple makers and communities of faith um, in our area. And so our team is looking for these physical horizontal moments to where these spiritual vertical um, events can take place. And so we get to celebrate that throughout this journey that we have with every employee. And that's where we really see this redemptive component go from ethical to very intentionally, strategically trying to impact people's lives. So um, final slide here, just on, you know, connecting with us further. Um, but specifically I wanted to mention, Nelson asked me to mention the fact that kind of the end of our story. Um, so in uh, 2021, um, we were acquired by a global recruiting company that, um, you know, saw the value in what we were doing in terms of, of building kind of the temp to perm model, but specifically focusing on the refugee workforce. And so, 
Um, I'm sitting in a board seat now. I'm not involved in the day-to-day anymore, and that's challenging, challenging to some extent, but they're doing things that we could have never done to really kind of expand this globally. And so excited to see that happen. I said it's the end of our story. It's really not, but um, excited to continue to see that. But the cool part about it is the work that we did to embed this kind of redemptive component within the business model itself is still happening. Now, they're not nearly as intentional as we were in kind of the, in the, in the, in the specific ways that we were operating, but there's something about how it was so deeply embedded in the DNA of the business that they're still carrying on some of these very redemptive components that you would not necessarily expect a secular company to pursue. And so I'm grateful that that's, um, that's happening and that God's continuing to move specifically um, in that way. So thank you um, for allowing me to share and try to live up to this graph that Brad so eloquently shared and so grateful to be with y'all. Um, wanted to introduce you next to Charlie Chavigian. Uh, she is a dynamic leader and went through the nonprofit accelerator uh, with one of our partners, Praxis, that I mentioned. And so she has been formed by this redemptive frame we just talked about. So, Charlie, going to give you an opportunity to pitch your incredible venture. Thank you. Shifting gears, we are a nonprofit, so you guys build businesses, make money, and then you give it to us. So um, I went through Praxis in 2021 to 2022. It was an incredibly formative experience for us and excited to share with you guys today about a little bit about what we're doing. Um, yeah, in 2017, I, my husband and I really started praying about becoming foster parents. Um, and about seven years ago, we did, and we took the plunge, and we knew that our hearts were going to break for the kids that were placed into our home. And what we had never imagined would happen is how they would break for their moms. And so we were up close and personal with a lot of the pain points, lived realities, uh, challenges, and systemic barriers that moms experience when their families become entangled in the child welfare system. So this was a paradigm shift for me and my husband when we began to realize that behind every child at risk, there was a mom who was in crisis. And that really began uh, for us to ask this question of why are there so many children in foster care to begin with? On any given day across our country, there's 400,000 children in our foster care system. And what research and data shows us is that 76% of those kids that are in our system right now were removed for a reason that could have been prevented, like unemployment, poverty, lack of access to basic needs and mental health support. Those are reasons that are totally preventable. These are good, loving, hardworking, competent moms that are being stripped of the rights to raise their children because they don't have safe options and they don't have a system of support and caring individuals around them. So we knew if we wanted to go upstream and make a sustainable impact in this space, we had to begin to focus on prevention. That's when our organization uh, really wrote our mission and vision to prevent family separation by advocating for moms who are in crisis. So we designed a court-approved prevention program 
that specifically targets and works with uh, communities and nonprofits and government entities, child welfare entities, who refer moms who are at risk of losing custody of their children and experiencing poverty into our program, where we then design this two-prong approach that says, hey, we believe every mom is deserving of access to advocacy and support, and we're going to do it in two ways. One, this role of a volunteer advocate. Every mom that comes to our program is paired to an advocate. Women from local churches that we recruit and train to basically journey with one mom through her crisis towards stability. So she's the relational, uh, emotional, tangible support that we believe every mom deserves. And then on the second hand, we have this role of a care coordinator. This is essentially a case manager. Someone's going to make sure that every mom in our program is connected to the right support and resources that she needs to be successful as a mom, representing her in court, making sure her progress and her needs are being accounted for, and she has what she needs to raise her children as safe and stable nurturing home environment. So we've tested this model over the last three years. Over a thousand women have gone through our program impacting 2,300 kids. And of the moms that have graduated our program, we've seen a 96 prevention rate, success rate. Of the moms, in other words, you can clap for that. Of the moms that have come through that are at risk of losing their kids, when they have an advocate, that 96% of those moms can keep their children in their care. The cost of prevention is something we cannot argue with. For EMA, it costs about $2,500 to keep one family together in comparison to what it costs our state and your taxpaying dollars to house and place one child in foster care for one year. The better investment is always going to be to advocate for the preservation of families. The best part is we're not doing it alone. We're scaling through our national partners. We have an affiliate model we've designed where we are training and equipping existing organizations and nonprofits across the country that are already serving our demographic of mothers and children who are vulnerable to being separated. We're training and equipping them with the EMA program. It's their program. They own it. They run it. And we just get to be the engine behind the scenes that powers the program so they're successful in their local community. We believe that a vulnerable mom is not the problem with the foster care crisis. She's actually the most unexpected solution. So we dream of an entire generation of vulnerable moms who are marginalized, disenfranchised, lack the support that they need. I would argue that all of us are in this room today because someone somewhere advocated for us. And yet there's thousands of mothers across our country right now that don't have that person. So as we continue to invest into these moms to raise these children in stable and nurturing home environments, we will see the generational impact of that across the pipelines from foster care to prison and poverty, addiction and homelessness, and begin to see the crisis of foster care slowly fade. Over the next three years, we are really focusing on expanding our model across 30 mission-critical markets and cities, serving and testing and tracking our model integrated into the lives of 3,000 moms in an effort to prevent 7,500 children from entering to foster care. We're at a pinnacle of scale and growth. We want to continue to iterate our model because we believe if we can do it in these cities successfully, that we can do it anywhere. Thank you. want to thank you all for listening to today's episode. We hope that you got some value out of it. 
The next episode is where we get to hear from Chris Chancy and Charlie Chavigian as they were a part of an interview panel with myself and Nelson Telemaco, where we get to do a deeper dive into how they apply the redemptive frame of entrepreneurship to their organizations, to their marketing, to their leadership, to how they build teams. So it'll be incredibly valuable content. We hope you join us for that episode. If you're interested in hearing more about Amplify South Florida, please reach out to me directly at bschmidt at ncfgiving.com. And if you want to learn more about the NCF South Florida family, you can visit us online at ncfgiving.com forward slash South Florida.